one of the things I want to say to you this morning as we've just grown uh, rapidly, I want to say thank you to all the people who serve to make this place work every single Sunday. All of our uh, greeters, all of you who serve in the parking lot, our uh, tech team, our musicians, children's ministry, prayer team, Stephen's ministers. It takes hundreds and hundreds of people, literally over 200 people every Sunday that just show up and... uh, and just say, I'm here to serve. And then there's teams of people, so there's even more people involved. One of the areas that was brought to my attention that as we've grown so rapidly in just a month's time, and it touched my heart, I want to share it with you. We have um, a new ministry that's beginning uh, right now, and it's going to be called Wings, and it's really to put a one-to-one ministry with every special needs child that we have in our congregation. And there's been a lot that have shown up in the last little bit, and so we're, we're starting this ministry so that each child that comes with whatever special needs they have are going to have a, a buddy system, a wingman that's going to come and be with them. So I'm excited about that, and I've been asked to uh, ask some of you, if you have a heart for that, if you'd like to volunteer maybe once or twice a month to be one of these people, and to come alongside a a child, would you just put that on your communication card today and say, just give me some more information. I've also been told that there's a spot for about 15 more people at this campus that are needed in our children's ministry just to make a real difference. I want to talk to some of you men. I asked and and found out that there are some, some young boys that are in our program and the only Christian male role model that they'll have really in a whole week is going to happen right here in this hour. And so uh, for some of you, if if you would just see yourself in a different light and just be a godly man or a man that says, I want to live for God, and you just give an hour of your time to connect with a young boy, you could be making the difference for the rest of their life. And so I'd like to invite you to be a part of that. Uh, Just uh, put it on your uh, response card today, your communication card. Again, we're talking like once a month, maybe twice a month, if you really have a passion for it and you'd like to keep going. But uh, we need you to be there, and this ministry has always focused on children. We started off, before we ever had a, a Sunday morning adult service, we started a ministry to children. And so we've got a great opportunity now to stand up again. If you're not serving anywhere, there's a great, uh, there's a great span of opportunities. Everybody in here should at least consider um, finding a way to give back. And, and here's why. This will never be a large church for you if you'll... All of us who are serving, we're all connected. You know, we're all, we all know each other. We are all part of the vision. And if you'd really like to be a real part of it and not just attend and sit in a row, you need to find a way to connect and let your passions and your gifts uh, connect with some other people who, who really need to, to know you, okay? Um, we're also very blessed to have Steve Arterburn on our staff. And I'm so excited that God has brought him to us. For those of you who don't know, Stephen Arterburn's an award-winning author. He's a, a writer of books, about 80 books. He's on the the radio every single day, a call-in show with with, uh, some of the top Christian counselors in the nation. He's pretty smart himself, and uh, he is a good friend. He and I have become great friends, and I'm so glad he's in my life. And today, he's going to wrap up this great series. Would you give him a warm welcome as he comes this morning? So much. Well, as you can see, it's really hard for a pastor to turn his uh, pulpit over uh, to someone else, and uh, it's uh, 20 tilt there, and uh, <laughs> finally got him off that stage. Oh, boy. I tell you. You know, Joel, you guys are so good. I just want you to know, you are the Egg McMuffin of music, buddy. You are. Uh, every... Um, 
Sunday morning before one of us preaches, we sit in a room and we go over the message and uh, to leave stuff out or to add stuff. And uh, Solomon was, was with me and um, after I went over my message and he said, uh, Dad, why don't they just let you say what you want to say? And <laughs> so I want you to know that you're getting the uh, censored version of my message today. And uh, I know that this will be tough for you to hang in here. Many of you are preoccupied with the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I, I know you'll be confused on some points. You'll think I said that David is going to cause the giants to, to be slain and all that stuff. And, uh, but just hang in there with me if you can, and uh, we'll do the best uh, that we, we can. I was, um, I was down there last night. Misty and I went down to the area. Uh, one of us was a little low on medication and decided to go down there and be in the <laughs> cold and the rain and all of that. Uh, but it is a great thing to see what our city uh, has done uh, here in response to the Super Bowl. And I'm proud to be part of all of this that's going on. Well, today, and by the way, I apologize, I do not have any Super Bowl stuff. You know, I don't, we're not going to drop kick through the goalposts of life or anything like that. Uh, Jesus does not need to be your quarterback today. Uh, it's just going to be a straight talk. So sorry about that. I hope you don't penalize me or anything uh, based on that. And uh, that CMT special, 10 o'clock on the 10th, uh, it's a major network. It's over there in the 500s or the 600s on your cable, CMT. Well, this is the series, Walking Into Walls, and uh, I'm going to sum up, and uh, I'm, then I'll shut up, and I guarantee you, you will be out of here uh, by the time the Super Bowl starts. So uh, just hang in here with me. It is such a privilege to have somebody come up to you and say their life has been totally changed by a book you've written. I've never had that happen, but I, I know that it would be such a privilege to have that happen. We're still praying for it. But... Uh, Anyway, um, there are four points that I want to review with you and a fortress. Four walls and then a fortress that I want to talk about briefly. And then I want to give you a process uh, to upgrade your life and tell you about a new place to live. And we're going to all uh, do all that pretty quickly. So hang in here. I have... Uh, you know, usually I give you a blank piece of paper because I have attention deficit disorder. But if you look, this is the outline of all outlines. The Ritalin kicked in and I started typing and here it is. This is a result. So enjoy it. It won't happen again. <laughs> the first wall is the wall of stubborn resistance. And the quote from the book is, we become the kings of stubborn resistance in our own little worlds. We get into ruts that lead us down paths that cause nothing but pain and end with our hitting a wall. Yet we will do everything but try something different. The cure for that is willingness. Willingness to admit that I'm sorry. Willingness to ask for forgiveness. Willingness to say, take a second look and, and quit thinking, this is for somebody else. This is for the sick people. Or this is for the weak people. I don't need this. I've got God, my Bible, and that's all I need. I'm telling you, that's sick. Uh, to go through life thinking that that's all you need because God tells us to come together and be a body of Christ together. Psalm 51.12 says, Restore the joy of my salvation and make me willing to obey. If we are locked up in a wall, uh, behind a wall in a prison, we stay locked by saying, Hey, this does not apply to me. 
this is not my fault. No one understands me. No one can help me. And we just stay in that little prison. In Greenville, Mississippi, four convicts were arrested, not for breaking out of prison, but breaking into prison. You see, they, they had left prison through a tunnel to get some marijuana and whiskey, which is a great combination if you're in prison, to make you more comfortable in the cell that you're in. So they just wanted to bring the stuff in and have a better time in the jail cell. So they broke out and they got caught breaking back in. Now, it doesn't take a genius to see the analogy there that rather than us get out of our own cell from behind our walls, we just bring stuff in to make it more comfortable. And we live there and we miss what God has called us to, what God wants for our lives. Stubborn resistance is a big reason that we do that. And uh, if we are stubborn, maybe it's because we have made comfort our God. And that is more important than giving up all of those things, all of that territory that we've staked out. Second thing is arrogant entitlement. We live in a self-obsessed society. Have it your way. You deserve a break today. All of the messages are all about you. And so uh, we're able to um, maybe think that we have special needs or that if my needs aren't uh, being met in my marriage, I'm entitled to go outside of my marriage and I'm entitled to look at at the pornography or have that affair online or whatever it is. And um, arrogant entitlement is cured with humility. James 3.13 says, If you're wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works. There's that doing and that obeying with the humility that comes from wisdom. If anybody ever says to you, I just wish you could go through life with the same level of humility that I have been experiencing lately, uh, they are obviously blind to what is going on in their life. And the third wall is blind ignorance. Actually, um, it's disconnected isolation. Blind ignorance is number four. I just wanted to prepare you for that point before I talked about disconnected isolation. There was a man who ended up in a counseling session with his wife because they were about to divorce. It was hopeless. All she did was complain and complain about how he was not living up to his role as a man. What a disappointment he was. And they ended up in counseling. And once she got in front of the counselor, all she did was talk about how bad he was and focus on him. She never, ever stopped talking. And the therapist did a very weird thing. He went over and kissed her right on the lips. One of these big, big kisses right on the lips. It was, it was terrible malpractice, but he did it. And all of a sudden, she was totally silent. And the therapist says to the man, she needs this twice a week. And the man said, I can bring her by on Tuesday and Thursday. Now that is disconnected. Isolation and blind ignorance all in one. It's right there. It's all right there. The cure to disconnected isolation is intimacy. You know, if you fall alone, you're in trouble, according to Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. But if two people are together, they can hold each other up. And then that triple braided cord where we bring God and God's Word and His truth and the presence of the Holy Spirit into that union, that is not easily broken. So we need 
to develop greater intimacy. And then blind ignorance. If you're uh, still listening to me right now, you're not totally ignorant. You're, you're still hanging in here. And uh, I, I, I really believe that this blind ignorance issue uh, is so prevalent because we don't give anybody permission to tell us the truth about ourselves. Someone outside of who we're married to that can say, hey, have you ever thought about this? Have you looked at that? Blind ignorance. And those, those four walls uh, can hold us back from what God wants. If you uh, have wall-itis, you can cure that. If, if you're living in Wally world, you, you can get out of that. But there's a fortress that is even worse and more difficult to, to heal from. And that is the fortress of un, unforgiveness, that justifiable resentment that we carry around with us. You know, it is, it is the big one. It is, it is causing so much misery and so much difficulty in people's lives. It, it produces a life worse than what you see on animal hoarders. It, it's horrible out there, I'm just telling you. And we, we live in this, this toxic resentment that destroys our lives. The book says, resentment is toxic. It can eat out your soul like an acid. Resentment also gives up control of your life to the person you resent. When we resent a person, we do the very opposite of what we want. We allow that person to control us. That person becomes a wall that stops us cold, casting a dark shadow on the present and blocking off the future. We resent. We're resenting people. And you know what? I was reading a couple of magazines. I finished People, and I had a Scientific American. And uh, in the Scientific American, they did a study that proved what all of us know. The very thing that attracts you to another person becomes the very thing that irritates you the most about that person. You get attracted to that responsible person who is a hard worker and is going to do something with their life. And in two years, you're griping because they never stop working. They never stop achieving. You get attracted to that person that's so much fun. Everything's a joke. They laugh. They love it. And then two years later, they can't keep a job because everything is just all about having fun. And you can't believe what a loser you have married, but that was the very thing you wanted. So you see, it's not about them. They're just doing what they've been doing all along. It's about what's in our heart. We have to stop holding it against other people. We need to give up our grudge. Someone says, don't, don't hold a grudge. Hold a gun. And, and uh, when you think about it, it's about the same thing, except the gun's pointed at you. You're the one that gets hurt. Karen Williams wrote this wonderful poem about grudges. It's entitled, creatively, The Grudge. She says... I nursed it, I nourished it, I tucked it in at night, I focused on it, dwelt upon it, held it oh so tight. I cuddled it, coddled it, my energy I gave, and now this great big grudge I've grown has made me, well, its slave. That's what grudges do. And we think we're so justified, but God says give up all bitterness, resentment, and anger. Be forgiving. Well, there are a lot of things I could tell you about it, but I want to show you a video 
that says more than I could ever say about forgiveness. So let's roll that video. We end tonight with one of the most potent powers on earth. It can change lives in an instant. Everyone has it. It's the power to forgive. Watch it now in action in Steve Hartman's Assignment America. Thank you, Lord. In a small apartment building in North Minneapolis, Thank a 59-year-old teacher's aide sings praise to God for no seemingly apparent reason. Indeed, if anyone was to have issues with the Lord, it would be Mary Johnson. For all you've done for me. He never had a chance. In February 1993, Mary's son, Loramian Bird, was shot to death during an argument at a party. He was 20, and Mary's only child. My son was gone. The killer was a 16-year-old kid named O'Shea Israel. I wanted justice. He was an animal. He deserved to be caged. And he was. Tried as an adult and sentenced to 25 and a half years, O'Shea served 17 before being recently released. He now lives back in the old neighborhood, close to Mary. This close. He lives next door. Next door. How a convicted murderer ended up living a door jam away from his victim's mother is a story not of horrible misfortune, as you might expect, but of remarkable mercy. A few years ago, Mary asked if she could meet O'Shea here at Minnesota's Stillwater State Prison. As a devout Christian, she felt compelled to see if there was some way, if somehow, she could forgive her son's killer. What'd she say to you? I believe the first thing she said was, look, you don't know me, I don't know you, let's just start with right now. And I was befuddled myself. O'Shea says they met regularly after that. When he got out, she introduced him to her landlord, who, with Mary's blessing, invited O'Shea to move into the building. Today, they don't just live close, they are close. Clearly, Mary was able to forgive. Unforgiveness is like cancer. It will eat you from the inside out. It's not about that other person. Me forgiving him does not diminish what he's done. Yes, he murdered my son, but the forgiveness is for me. It's for me. For O'Shea, it hasn't been that easy. I haven't totally forgiven myself yet. I'm learning how to forgive myself. And I'm still growing towards, you know, trying to forgive myself and what it is I've done. To that end, O'Shea is now busy proving himself to himself. He works at a recycling plant by day and goes to college by night. He says he's determined to pay back Mary's clemency by contributing to society. In fact, he's already working on it, singing the praises of God and forgiveness at prisons, churches, to large audiences everywhere. Forgiveness is a powerful thing. Which explains why Mary can sing her praise of thanks to her audience of one. Steve Hartman, CBS News, Minneapolis. For all you've done for me. Wow. So I don't know what you uh, have that you're so resentful of. But if she can do it, you can too. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. The cure for justifiable resentment is forgiveness. Proverbs 27.3 says, A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but the resentment caused by a fool is even heavier. 
Now, those are five walls or four walls and a, and a fortress. I want to talk to you about how to upgrade your life to a different level, a process. And uh, I hope that this is going to help somebody. There are seven things I want to present. Plus, this morning I have number eight. It's a bonus, and I'll throw that in uh, also. But we all, lo- don't you love an upgrade? Don't you want an upgrade? I mean, we love it. Um, my fam- I took my family to Atlantis a few years ago. And we had so many kids going with us that we had to have two rooms, adjoining rooms. And when we got there to check in, we, we didn't get adjoining rooms. And so uh, I just said to them, well, maybe you should just upgrade us to a suite where we can all be together. So if you know anything about Atlantis, you know that big bridge over there where Michael Jackson stayed and Oprah and Pee Wee Herman, all these great stars and stuff? Well... They upgraded us to the, to the penthouse suite. And there were, you know, there were 18 bathrooms and all this stuff. And I just went around to every one of them. It was just, it was an incredible thing. Now, the next day, we're back down in our little room that, that they did. They got us adjoining rooms facing a wall. But, man, it was fun while it lasted. Well, the upgrade I want to talk to you about can last. Nobody's going to take it away from you. And it involves this right here. First of all, examination. Becoming a student of your own life. Looking at where is all that negative stuff coming from? What am I so angry about? And what are the patterns that have developed in my life? The second thing is openness and confession. How many times have you heard someone say, Well, I'm not going to give Satan a stronghold by looking at that or talking about it. You know what? Satan has got you by the throat. If you are keeping everything crummy that happens to you, every bad decision that you've done, if you keep that secret. We are only as sick as our secrets. And God calls us to openness and honesty and confession. And then we need to focus on the now. We need to... Hey, you you made it to now. We're here. You survived. We were in... uh, Misty and I were in Colorado last weekend. I got one of these package deals, you know, where uh, you, it's cheap and, and you, certain things come in the package and certain things don't. And so at uh, 3 a.m. in the morning, when uh, we're looking at our breath uh, come out of ourselves and just envisioning ourselves, the people walking in and we're just frozen with icicles everywhere, Misty says to me, honey, did our package include survival? And I said, let me call down. And I called down. I told them our heater was broken. They said, oh, no, no, no. We have to turn your heater on. We have this special system, and we have to turn it on. And I, I said, well, what? Heat wasn't in the package? Well, turn the heater on. I mean, we get, we get to live in the now today with our package deal. And we come with talent. We come with skills. And in this day and age, we come with gadgets. And when we're living in the now, we can reach out to people in ways we never dreamed. We can share our stuff and share our story if we are willing to live in the right now. And then choosing to forgive, we've talked about it, and as the video showed, there is one person that's the toughest to forgive, and that's to forgive yourself. And, and maybe the way you forgive yourself is that you, you have to make restitution. Uh, Choosing to let go. 
is another one of these tough things. For some people, it's tougher than forgiveness, where you allow God to run the world that God created versus you trying to manipulate the outcome of everything. You have to let that go. And the thing is, I can say that to some of you, and you go, yeah, I wish I could let that go. And you can't. That means you need help. Not, not psychiatric help, although that, that wouldn't hurt for some, but, but you need to get the help that you need. And then uh, restitution and making amends. You know, grieving heals your future. If you grieve a loss, you don't have to experience it in the future. But restitution seals your past. There's nothing else you have to do with your past. Once you've confessed your sin, turned away from it, repented, and made it right, whatever it was, made restitution and amends, that past does not have anything for you as a Christian believer. And then number seven, making plans to protect yourself with connection and uh, having healthy places to go, counseling, recovery groups, uh, Bible studies, and then having someone to be accountable to. Number eight, the bonus, is to fulfill the dream of reaching others. You do those other things and then you can get the focus off of you and you can fulfill that dream of reaching out to others and making an impact on other people's lives. Some people just have never done that. But when we are fulfilling that dream, nothing can be better. My wife uh, looks like a teenager, and it's embarrassing to both of us, but she is a wise woman. She is a, a teacher, and she had this dream of doing a Bible study for women and their daughters because she says everybody is a daughter. Every woman is a daughter. Some, some men are daughters, too. But anyway, the, uh, but every, every woman is a daughter. And so she did this Bible study. started it yesterday. And after it was over and everybody had left, she comes to me and she said, pure joy inside. Because she had fulfilled that dream of reaching out to other people. If you've never done it, if you've never tried it, God is giving you a life beyond anything that you could imagine if you take this little bonus point and fulfill the dream of helping others. Now, that's a process that will give you an upgrade in life, and I want you to upgrade to these three things that are on your outline. Truth, grace, and love. That is where we need to be living. That is what we need to call home. If you've never experienced the, the peace and the serenity that comes with the Christian life, you don't have enough truth, grace, and or love in your life. We have a brain. Everybody has a brain. It malfunctions all the time. We need to feed it God's truth. We need to overcome our own thoughts with the truth of God through His Word. That's where we find our truth. Our feelings, eh, but truth. We don't make our decisions based on how we feel. We do it based on truth. Proverbs 23, 23 says, Get the truth and never sell it. Also get wisdom and discipline and good judgment. We need grace. There are people who do not have a heart that is full of God's grace. That's why they're so judgmental of other people. It's because they've never experienced the grace from God. They still think God's holding everything against them, even though 
He has wiped that slate clean. Unmerited favor. The grace of God. We need to live with that in our hearts so we can share it with other people. Look, look at what the Bible... Hebrews 4.16 So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive His mercy. And we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. So we live in that grace in our heart and then we can dispense that grace with other, to other people. And then love. We need to have the courage to accept God's love for us and then the courage to take a risk of being hurt, a risk of being rejected, and love other people. If we don't have courage, we can't really love. God calls us to a place of courageous love for other people. Romans 8, 38, 39, we've already sung about this. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. If, if you can't applaud for that, I mean, nothing will separate you from God's love. God is love, and yet the epidemic in the Christian community in this sanctuary here is people not really feeling like God loves them. But when you accept God's love and courageously share that love, you are living with truth and grace and love, and what a place to find home. I uh, created a Bible for my daughter, Madeline, uh, where I went through and made notes uh, where I thought it was important and wrote things down about her life, and I gave it to her on her 16th birthday. And I've, uh, I've started another one uh, for Solomon, who is five years old. And as I was preparing this message, I was uh, using his soon-to-be Bible, because we all know he will be 16 in a matter of minutes, the way time flies. But I, I read a note that I had written to Solomon about a year ago when he was four years old. And it was, um, it was a great reminder of what an astounding little guy he was at four years old. We had been reading The Wizard of Oz. And when I had finished The Wizard of Oz, well, it's, it, it reads to him like this. We were reading The Wizard of Oz... When you were four years old, and you said, Dad, I have everything I need. Dad, the lion needed courage, and I have that. The scarecrow needed a brain, and I have a brain. The tin man needed a heart, and I have a heart. And Dorothy needed to go home. Dad, I'm home. I have everything I need. I don't know what the home of your heart is like, but if you can fill it 
with truth and grace and love. You are home. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your truth and your grace and your love that gives us the power to forgive, to let go, and to live with peace and fulfillment and serenity. God, make this a great day for each person here and the beginning of many great days to come. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you.